Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and uh, welcome to another uh, session with Mason and Nicola. Nicola, Mason, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. Um, Been loving these last few sessions, and for people that haven't kind of jumped on our last few chats, um, feel free to kind of jump on to the previous chats um, on YouTube and on, on, on the podcast as well too, but there's always a lot of things that are happening in the world of money and we're here to kind of unpack them and, and try to help people on their financial journey to kind of get to where they need to get to. So one of the ones that is, I think, a big one that we want to talk about today is, is around the mind and how much the mind has a big influence on your ability to succeed. And, you know, if it be through motivation or sometimes complexity, there's a lot of, uh, sorry, complexity, complacency, sorry. There's a lot of things when it comes to your mind that, you know, influence this and, you know, Mason and, and Nicola and I would love to really kind of unpack that and get deep into that conversation today. So Nick, where do you want to start? Well, I guess there's so many changes that are going on at the moment. And I think a lot of people feel like they probably just can't keep up with it. It feels like things are changing so often. And I guess what we want to chat about in this episode is you know, what is worrying people? What are kind of some of the common financial mistakes? Um, and how can we be more proactive to actually build a plan so that we're not just reacting to things that are happening happening, and we like know what the plan is in advance? Mm, mm, there, is a, there is a hell of a lot happening. Mm. Mason, what's your thoughts, mate? There's a lot going on, yeah? What's, what's, what's your thoughts on this one? There is a lot going on, Nick. I like what you said there about reacting because I think it's what a lot of people are doing at the moment where you're just, we're seeing something on the news and then we're making a change because of what we're seeing on the news, whether that's mm. interest rate rise or we're seeing the cost of our groceries go up. We're then reacting towards that rather than being proactive, which as we as we know, being proactive with our decisions means we have more control over the decision because we're making that choice rather than an external thing or external news item creating that decision for us or making that decision for us so we want to get back to being proactive and I think that's what we're going to try to un- unravel today and how can we be proactive in such a reactionary time mm. and you can't kind of can't help yourself by react to certain news you know like mm. it's it's pretty it's sometimes pretty hard like what is it we're up to like 10 consecutive interest rate rises mm-hmm. um you know we were, I was in the car with my wife today and you know, she was chatting to me about the cost of living as well too, you know. She's just like, this is absolutely ridiculous. You know, you walk into the shopping centre and you go buy two things and you, it's 60 bucks, you know. And it's just like, or, you know, sometimes you come out with a couple of bags and it's $200 and you can't help but, you know, be reactive. And, you know, your mind's starting to go down a pretty bleak why in regards to the feeling like you just can't get over this mountain with everything that's going on it's it's not just obviously the cost of living and interest rates you know it might be someone that's for example wanting to buy their first home you know and Mm -hmm. they feel like it's an absolute stretch like housing prices are so 
you know, inflated in regards to first home buyers being able to get into them. Mm. There's a there's a there's a lot going on. You know, you if you want to do yourself no good, throw on the news. You know, have a look at you know the geopolitical mm. problems that are happening around the world and all of the stuff that's going on. So, yeah, it's really it's really hard to kind of break through break through that. But in saying that, Mason, how can you kind of like start to be proactive? Yeah, with all of this stuff smashing at you and and you being just reacting to those. How can you do that? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it, John? It's a really good question. How can we be proactive in a time like this? And I think I think the key to being proactive is knowing where you want to go. Because it's hard to make a proactive mm. decision where you don't actually know where you want to go. Um, so having an idea of, and I think it's a really great option to have a have a chat with your partner if you're in a couple about this, where you both want to go together. Because in these times, you need to make decisions as a couple, as a unit, to mm. make to get you to where you want to go. Unfortunately, what we sometimes see is one member of a couple might want to do one thing, whereas another one might want to do another thing. And unfortunately, in particularly in times like this, if you're trying to pull a rope in two different directions, it becomes really, really hard to get anywhere. Um, so that'll be my first tip, John, is to basically know where you want to go and because that will drive a lot of your decisions. Mm, because you're looking forward. Yeah, yeah, you're not in like today or reactive. And Nick, on that as well too, it doesn't necessarily need to be a couple. It can essentially just be a, like a group of friends or the people you're in, around. Mm. And for some reason, like my mum's head in, you know, it's words in my head, like hang around with good people, you know, don't hang around with douchebags when you're young. But mm. it's, it's, it's a bit like this when it comes to getting somewhere in your life and obviously on your financial life as well. Like even in a couple relationship, someone who's on a downer, can kind of put you on a bit of a downer as well too in regards to how you're feeling about what's going on. So there must be a little bit of proactivity, but also a little bit of positivity as well and optimism that comes in here as well. Mm -hmm, definitely. I think like fear spreads so fast and we see it in the news, like negative news. Like how many positive things do you see on the news? Like it just doesn't grab people's attention in the same way. And I think that... Yeah, it's really easy, like within your friendship group or with your partner, like you do, whoever you spend the most time with, you you adapt so, like adopt so many of their beliefs um, and it, it does weigh on you. So I think, I think that's definitely an important thing to ensure that, like, of course there are things that are impacting people and like, I don't want to shy away from that in any way. But I think when you do have a plan, a clear plan, you are able to kind of like zoom out a little bit more and not just think about the exact way you're feeling right now and more so think about, okay, what's the bigger picture? Mm. It's interesting about that. And I think putting those two together, when when you plan, you obviously get that bit of the proactivity because you're kind of mm. saying, okay, well, it's the first stepping stone to figure out what you need to do moving forward. Then you've got a bit of the positivity, negativity. There's a lot of things going on and you need to try and push yourself in that right positive kind of environment. Mm -hmm. But I want to throw over to Mason and then maybe Nick, your comments around well, what happens if you do plan out and what you've planned or what you want to happen doesn't look like what you want, yeah? It looks a bit bleak, yeah? It's disheartening. Yeah, but Mason, it may be over to you, yeah, on that one. It's a hard one, but I, that's almost life, isn't it? Like, mm -hmm. it's, 
It's a tricky one. What we what we think we want, we usually actually don't. Um, if you talk to my 20-year-old self and asked him what he would have wanted at 30, it's a lot different to what my 30-year-old self wants now. So it's it's I think it's acknowledging that perhaps what you do want now, you may not want in the future and being okay with that. Um, because what I, what we typically see, what I typically see anyway, is you're not going to do a 180 on what you want. So unless, at least you're going in that sort of direction, whether you need to pivot a little bit to your new needs, it's, it's very rarely you need to do a complete 180. So at least you're heading in that right direction. So mm. that's, I think that's key. Um, and make sure, but I, in terms of in terms of reaching an outcome and it being bleak, that's a that's a that's a trickier one. And maybe that's a a mindset shift on what is what's bleak about it. Um, mm. I'm sure that it's probably not as bleak as as it first appears. So is there a little bit of a re ex realignment of expectations, Mason? Like, you know, been doing financial planning for a long, long time and Sometimes I see it and I feel it from the couple or from the individual. They're, you know, wanting to send their kids to private school education. They're wanting to get that $1.5 million home. And when we kind of model out and, you know, it's a big part of what we do and start to really plan out, there's a, a massive puncture or awareness, let's call it, yeah, where they realize that something's got to give, yeah, because mm-hmm. what they dreamed of happening and the life that they want was all in their head and it's like maybe an Instagram world that's kind of conducted all of this in social media. But the reality is, is that they won't be able to one, afford the house that they want, or maybe two, they can't even school the kids like in the education that they want. So this realignment of expectations. And I think you can take this two ways. Let's be honest. You can be the type of person that looks at it and goes, that's it. Throwing in the towel. This is, I'm going to just stick with what I've got and I'll just wake up and whatever happens, happens. And unfortunately, if you don't face the music in regards to this, your financial future is going to be pretty bleak, let's call it that word, yeah? But I think it's the other one that people need to start doing. And this is why the positivity is so important. You know, if you're looking at it and saying, okay, well, wow, this is too huge for me to climb, it's going to be huge for you to climb. You know, over my hiking days when I used to hike, the worst thing you could do is go, oh, Look how big that mountain is. Or look how big that thing is. You, you know, one step at a time, work yourself up. And then before you know it, you'll be at the at the summit. Mm-hmm. And that's the way you kind of got to take this, really, Nick, don't you? You got to take it as in like, you're faced with this. Let's take baby steps to where you get to get to, you know. Can you, mm-hmm. can you increase your income? What can you do to make that happen? Can you reduce your expenses? You know, is there anything you can kind of cut? Is it also, is, is these goals really important to you? Like, where did mm-hmm. you come to? You know, you want to send your kids to private schooling. Like, is public schooling an option for you? Like, what's really of value to you? And this is where people's values really set in because it's the values that usually don't change. And if you're going against those values to reach goals, you'll end up turning miserable. 100%. Yeah, I think, I mean, I read a quote somewhere. Someone said a quote to me that was like, it's not the plan that's important. It's the planning process because the plan is always going to change. Like what's going to happen will change. As we all know, life doesn't go the plan. Like if we look five years in advance, we know that it's going to be different, but it's it's the act of sort of reflecting, reevaluating, looking at where you've come from, thinking about, is that actually still what I want or am I just living on autopilot? And I think that 
you know, sometimes you hear people say that they've, they've been going five years working towards X, Y, Z, and then they sort of get there and realize like, what, what have I been doing? Or they've, they've just realized they've just stayed in a shitty job that they hate for so long. Um, but they just haven't been kind of, they haven't been being proactive about it. And it's not until they get to that tipping point of like things get quite bad that it, it strike people to sort of take action. Um, and yeah, in saying what you said, like about, you know, taking small steps, I think that is important because often we get so paralyzed by where we need to get to that it's just like, I can't even start because I don't know where to start. But doing something is always better than doing nothing, in my opinion. Definitely, definitely. I think, I think, how can I say this? Um, life's not a rehearsal, okay? Mm-hmm. You've got to give it a red hot crack. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to get yourself in a mindset of how am I going to live life in the most fulfilled ways? Mm-hmm. Too many people in today's day, day and age chase number one, they're chasing money. Now, the term money doesn't buy you happiness is about you literally chasing the money. Yes, money can make you have a more fulfilled life, I can assure you, but that's if you're not chasing it, okay? Two, you need to follow your passions and follow your values. And if you follow your passions and follow your values, then you set your goals and aspirations based on those values set. So if you're looking down the barrel of, I can't get that $1.5 million house, house, for example, why do you want that? Like, what are you doing? Like, why is that going to make you more fulfilled? Yeah. And if you're looking down at it and saying, and going, no, 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 I really want that house. Why? Oh, because I want to be in that area. Why? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question to ask yourself, Mason, isn't it? Why? It is. And I think there's, there's actually a bit of research done to get to the root cause of why you want to do something. You have to ask yourself why seven times. And you just got to really knuckle down. And if you actually do that to some sense, you'll be surprised what your answer gets to. Um, mm. And I think it's okay to change your mind about what you want. I think sometimes we get so caught up in making decisions like, oh, I want this. We actually don't take time to reflect in a few years. So I was like, do I still actually want that thing? I think in a common way we see this isn't isn't financial, but often we see someone goes to university when they're 18, they decide on a career at that point in time, finish their degree, get out of their degree, start joining the workforce, and they hate what they're doing. But because they've spent that five years or four years doing university, it's like, I can't change a career now. I'll look silly in front of my friends because I was like, oh, why'd you do that study for? Like, that's such a waste of time. I'll tell you what's a bigger waste of time. Working a career for the next 40 years you hate. That's mm-hmm. a bigger waste of time. So I think we need to, unfortunately, as humans, we, we have this thing called um, sunk costs. We sink yeah. costs for something and we don't want, we don't want to lose that. And it's, it's very similar to investment. So it's, it, the human mind doesn't, doesn't love this. Um, so I, unfortunately, we do see a lot of people working careers they hate because of the sunk costs, but it's just not for me. And I don't think it should be for any of our, anyone listening here. Um, you Working a job that you really love to do is just so crucial um, to, mm. to, to fulfill, fulfillment, to happiness, to everything, um, for purpose, 
so, so important. So I encourage people to, to really reflect on what they do want and not just stick to what they thought they wanted. Mm. And, and so Mason and Nick, do you think that there's an element of the last maybe couple of decades, even, even longer that people have been chasing like their, let's call it their not core wants. Yeah. But they're like subsidiary wants. Yeah. Mm. And all of these subsidiary wants are actually taking them away from their actual real wants, which is their core wants. Like I reflect on what you were saying, Mason. And for me, one of the big things for me is spending time with my family. Mm-hmm. Time and family and experiences are right up there. And, you know, let's say I, I bought a house that I had to overstretch my budget. You know, I'd be in a scenario where I'd probably have to work longer. I might even have to take a second job. It would be taking away from the core value, which is time with my family. Yeah. And it's, you know, I love the house at the start. It would look really pretty. We might jump in the pool at the back. We might enjoy it. But that's going to wear off pretty soon. You know, mm-hmm. I-, I love cars. I'm a car guy. That's my thing. Yeah. And me and my wife have talked about this in the past because as a youngster, I've always kind of always dreamed of having a 911 turbo. Like think about bad boys, you know, that 911 turbo, that was my thing, yeah? But reality is, is that I always said to her, I'm like, if I bought it, the novelty would probably wear off very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I'd drive it, I'd love it for a week, a month, a year maybe. But I'd be like, do I really want this? Yeah? Mm-hmm. And because inevitably... You know, that car, like you go buy a 911 Turbo these days, four, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000, you know what I mean? What could I be doing with that? I could be buying myself some time back with my family. Mm-hmm. And so understanding this is very important. I can easily relate. And I'm sure you're the same, Nicola. Mm, you see this so often, like even just the cognitive dissonance of like what people say they want and then the actions they take. Like sometimes people say, oh, I really want to, like the fire movement, for example, I want to retire early. And then the go and take on a mortgage for like, you know, one, 1.2, 1.4 mil, like then it's sort of like, but what actually do you want? Like if, if the core thing you wanted was to have complete financial freedom and not be reliant on your work to bring in money, you wouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, it's really important for people to have a clear idea of their values. I mean, you even see it with like, um, you know, people that work 24 seven and they say, oh, but it's for the kids and it's for this and it's for that. And it's like, is it though? Or is it to stroke your ego? Like, it's like, you know, I think that people have sort of what they say they want and then what they actually do. And so I think like taking time to sort of debunk all of that is really important. Definitely, definitely. And I think in today's situation with rising costs and everything pulling your you know your money from here to here and here Mm. it is probably a good time to make this reassessment you know and really find and start pushing your money into the areas that are going to be making you feel most fulfilled Mm. okay um now do you enjoy spending 300 on each gift to people you don't even really care about you know, this we could go into deep into all of this, but I think using your money purposely mm. for the things that are, are of value to you, 
is critical. And yes, mortgage costs are going up and, and people are struggling. They're going to have to make tough decisions in one, in, 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 for themselves. But unfortunately, this is the tough decisions that probably they'd, they'd need to make in their life. It's just happening now. You know, if you don't have a house and you're looking to get a home or, you know, you're renting, this is the decisions that need to be done now. Now, please, there are always outliers to all of this, you know. I do feel yeah. very, very strongly for and very, you know, I care for the people. I don't know. I'm just going to throw out that single mum taking care of two kids, trying to make, you know, ends meet. I really feel for that person. Like the economic situation that they've been put under is, is, is harsh, yeah? It's a harsh reality of what's going on and, and I hope that things get better for people like that. And unfortunately, when you talk about the economic side of things, inflation obliterates the lower, the lower kind of social economic area, okay? The rich don't necessarily feel this. If anything, they take advantage of it. It's the middle class, which is huge in Australia and the lowest, mm-hmm. lower social economic kind of, uh, demographic that is hugely affected. Now, the unfortunate thing, which I don't want to get into too deeply, but I do have a passion about this, is we also don't have leaders in this country that are doing what's required to help the people of the help helping. Like at the moment, there's this discussion around this kind of superannuation tax for people of three million plus. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's going to help. What did they say right now? It's like 0.5% of the population. Yeah. What about for the people that are hurting right now? What about things like childcare costs? Yeah. Mm. You know, single mother trying to work her backside off, trying to pull things, got kids in childcare. Mason, you've seen it. You've seen what their budgets look like and their expenses. They're living really frugal. They're struggling to make ends meet. And when we're in a country like Australia, yeah, you know, I can't help feeling for like these people. And unfortunately, when it comes to politicians, they're trying to take care of the masses for votes. And for the people that are clever enough to kind of read through this, yeah, they're not trying to help the people of most need. They're just trying to help themselves in getting votes. And that, that, that pisses me off. Yeah, it really does. You know, some people won't see me as, you know, on some of my social media of like, especially around this super tax and getting up in my grill and they're like, oh yeah, but John, this is the ultra rich and it's probably maybe the people that you care about. That's not actually the case, yeah? You've got like a bell curve, yeah? Of you know, the mega rich and the ultra poor, yeah? As a politician, you're supposed to take care of all of your citizens, yeah? And increase the standard of living across the board and you're actually supposed to equalize the bell curve. And what they're doing is trying to take from the rich and then fill up the actual, the bottom of the curve or actually the middle class as well too. And, and much more needs to be done, okay? And um, so please, I want, and, and I know that Mason and Nicola feel the same way about obviously the people that we're talking about. So please, when we are talking, we do feel compassion for the people in these situations, yeah? Um, because when they're faced with what they're faced of is like, I've got to choose to put food on the table or not. Yeah. They're very, very tough decisions. And I think in Australia, we do need to take care of them for the people that are not in this situation, which I mainly talk to middle class. Yeah. We're talking about household incomes with, you know, 150, 250, $300,000. And they're struggling. 
these are the people that need to make tough decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because on those type of incomes, I was seeing a client yesterday, or a prospective client actually yesterday, they were collectively earning um, 300000 and their financial situation is going backwards. Mm-hmm. Put it into perspective, their loan was about $500,000. So it wasn't too overly excessive. Like, where's all the money going? Do you know what I mean? On one of the incomes, which I think was 170000 that's the debt paid and it should be the living expenses. So there's about 90000 to $80,000 just going flying out the door somewhere. You know, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about yeah. these, type of, these type of people that need to have a mindset shift. Yeah? yeah. And Mason, you see this as well too and feel free to, you know, you know jump in as well. No, we do see it. We do. And it's it's interesting because I, I feel someone who would, is saying on a 100K income, they would see a family who's earning 300K and think, how can you possibly spend all that money? And I, I, I think for the 100K person, I think it's a fair question mm. because they also, they're living on 100K. So I think it's a very valid question. But unfortunately, what happens is when we earn more, we spend more. It's just how it tends to be. And that's not just some people. That, I'd say it's a vast majority. It actually takes quite a special person to put a cap on spending. It's quite, it's quite a skill. And people, a lot of people need help with that. And I don't think there's any shame in that. I think it's, I just think it's the way it is. Um, it's how we're wired. Um, and some people are wired also differently. But I think knowing how you're wired and how you treat your money is so important. Like if you know you're a spender, you need systems around you to support that. And vice versa too. If you're a saver, you do need systems in place to help you a little bit, spend a little bit because it's, it's hoarding money. That's not good either. Like it is a healthy mix. Um, so having systems around you to support that is really, really key. But Nick, what, what are you sort of seeing now? I know you're speaking to a lot of new prospective clients now and in the world that we're living at the moment, what is a common concern or common issue that we all sort of seeing at the moment yeah i think the cash flow is definitely a big one in the sense that perhaps interest rates have been low quite a while so then sort of think okay i'm paying the mortgage paying the school fees the rest is for spending really and then and then what happens is once rates go up it starts to really cut in and that's when you sort of have to start making those tough decisions about what actually is important and, and what can we cut down on because lifestyle creep is is a huge thing. And once it starts, you know, each year as you kind of progress in your job or you have life sort of transitions, you know, like you increase what you're spending. You see it as people go from a poor uni student to their first job, but then, you know, once you're kind of working in corporate, there's the lunches every day and the suits and the events and it just it just skyrockets so quickly and I think it's sort of now where people are being forced to confront that in terms of their repayments are eating into their cash flow so I think having systems in place is so important because you know what the other one I kind of see sometimes is people will be you know making the repayments on the mortgage or putting extra money away but then they pull it back out like it's easy to redraw on the house for this car or for X, Y, Z. But then over time, you're just kind of stagnant without realising it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably one of the main ones. 
100%. I think there's also an element, and we've just got to call a spade a spade, that Mm. people planning for their financial future have been considering it as option. Mm -hmm. Especially in Australia, you've got like superannuation, like 10% or close to, you know what I mean, goes into my retirement bucket. And I should be right by the time I retire. Reality is, is that that's not going to happen. Like, you're going to probably need much more than what you, your employer is putting in, number one. Mm-hmm. But two, um, you've got to plan for your financial future, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not an option. It needs to be done. I know both of you, I know including myself, yeah? Like my savings, my retirement funds, my things for my kids, the stuff that is really important for me, that actually is like a non-negotiable. I treat that as like the electricity in my house. Like Mm -hmm. just, it happens, yeah? And so it gives me peace of mind that my financial future is kind of looking after itself. Now, in today's day and age where things are happening, have have I been put under stress from what's going on. And if if I haven't, why has that not been? Yeah. And in reflection, it's because of planning. When you look at rates the way they are, I probably saw the low rates at 2% to 1% not normal. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. where they are right now. Like where they are right now was in my plan and my predetermined strategy before I even walked in. And then when rates kind of went down, well, then I got more kind of bang for my buck. Yeah, I had the ability to kind of invest more because I had more surplus cash flow. I had the ability to pay off more of my debt because I had more surplus cash flow. But with rates going back to the way that well they have now, it's kind of just reverted back to where it is. So in reflection, going back to even the start, Mason, where we were talking about being proactive and planning, I think the reason why I haven't been so stressed about it personally and my wife hasn't been so stressed about it, yes, we talk about it, but it hasn't caused us much stress is because it was planned. We didn't go into debt thinking that rates were going to be at 2%. Yeah, so there's that element of planning that needs to be done. And if you found yourself in a scenario where you've made a made a yeah, a mistake, let's call it. Yeah, if you've made a mistake, you've over-leveraged yourself, blah, 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 blah. Well, the reality is this is the point in probably where you're going to need some help, aren't you, Mason? Exactly, exactly right. Yeah, if you are in a position where perhaps you have overspent, you've got two options. Like you, you can stick your head in the sand and just hope for the best, which mm-hmm. isn't really an option. Or you can actually proactively do something about it. And whether that's seeking advice or that's just just getting an awareness of where you're sort of at and can you afford to keep the house, these types of things, absolutely key. Um, but yeah, I, I, I say sticking your head in the sand is an option, but it's really not. Because mm. the unfortunately, the banks are going to keep asking for money. They won't, they won't forget, um, unfortunately. Yeah. They, they, they get debt payments every single month. They need that money coming in. They, they lend out that money for a reason. Um, but yeah, John, as you said, like planning is just so crucial and the more buffers you put in place, the better. Um, mm. I know sometimes when we're running through our models and we've put these massive buffers on interest rates, clients some, sometimes are like, oh, that's, that's never going to get to that point. 
And I, I say, I, I hope so. Like, that would be fantastic yeah. if it never gets to that point. Because if we can buffer it in and never gets to that point, then we know you're okay. Yeah. And, that's, and that's the whole point. There's no point doing, putting a plan in place and it goes, it goes to the wayside when interest rates go up. Because we know they're going to go up at some point. Um, so, yeah, just planning for these things is just so, so crucial. And I'd rather be conservative than not. I always say that. Hey, in, in all of this, yeah, panicking is not mm. helping anyone. Yeah? Being stressed out is not helping anyone. Okay? When you talk about your mindset having, you know, playing, you know, tricks on you, when your emotions are getting the better of you, you're not going to be making logical decisions. And so when you're going and you're saying, well, you know what? We're getting further away from the financial future we want. We're drowning in our current scenario or we're not growing where we want to grow. This is the point when you need to start seeking advice. You know, I can't help but think about this as like the psychologist, the person, you've got the person who's going with undiagnosed mental health conditions, can't struggle, you know, suffering with major anxiety, can't get out of bed. Yeah. Well, you've got two options. You can stay in bed and you're going to get worse, yeah? Or you're going to try and drag yourself out, go seek help, start getting, slowly getting steps and getting to where you need to get to. And obviously, like mental health and like finances, it's not going to change overnight, yeah? And the Mm -hmm. psychologist will tell you that or the psychiatrist will tell you that. It's going to take time to get to where you need to get to, but you've got the options of digging a deeper hole or getting yourself out of it. Um, And like delayed gratification as well. I feel like, yeah, there are a lot of things where like, if you do it now, it's might suck that you have to give this up or give that up or it's a bit painful, but so many of the things that you want to get to in the long term, like aren't just going to come easily. Like you're going to have to make sacrifices right now to get to it. And I think at some point you have to be like, this is my situation and I'm accountable for it. And I think that, the longer you leave it, the worse it gets, which is the problem. So, yeah, it's it's sort of accepting that there might be some pain now, but, like, I guess being okay with that and just knowing you have to ride it out because it'll pay off, right? Setting yourself up financially, like, yes, you don't want to give up everything, but you also don't just want to be completely living for today and then you get to retirement it's, you want to be living off the pension like you that you don't want to do that to yourself so you might not think, you might not even make it to pension age nick mm. that's the harsh reality you talk yeah. about living for yolo for today yeah mm. the problem is is that the way things are going at the moment your thing's going to get much bleaker and you might be forced to make really bad decisions really mm. strong harsh decisions in the next couple of years if you don't mm-hmm. do that i think there's mm. also a level of complaints complacency guys there's a level of she'll be right, you know, she'll be right. And I think it's the Australian way a little bit, you know, the whole she'll be right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've had it We've had it good for a long time, like the lucky country, mm. you know, we've walked our way out of recession after recession, you know, we've like, you know, we've fought them off. Um, mm. You put money into property and look at it. It just grows, you know. We've got this superannuation thing. Awesome. We've just won. Mm. And we've won. And we've won. And I use a sporting analogy. It's like, you know, a team that's always winning. Well, a good coach will always say, yeah, like, not that they, that they want to lose. Yeah, but a loss might do them good. Yeah. And I'm an AFL fan. Okay. 
And I remember Essendon in 2000, okay? Mason's an Essendon supporter, so I can talk talk about this. And P.S., the coach will never tell them that they're due for a loss. It's like, if they're going to walk into finals, they'll probably want to have a loss in the, in the season, yeah, to wake them up a little bit is what I'm trying to get at. And this is the Australian way. Essendon, it was the last game of the 2000 um, season, and they played the Doggies, yeah? And they were about to get the full kind of win every game, I'm pretty sure. Mason, you might need to correct me on this one. And then the Doggies ended up beating them. The thing that happened, though, changed their mindset completely. From that loss, they walked into the 2000 final series tasting what a loss tastes like. And they absolutely obliterated that finals. And Mason, as a as young Essendon supporter, it must have been lovely just watching them walk straight through and smash everyone. But that's what it's been like for people in Australia. Mm-hmm. We just won and won and won. And and we haven't had that loss. Even COVID, I'm going to say something to everyone. When the government just went and said, like, we're going to do JobKeeper. We're going to spend, like, hundreds of billions of dollars pumping into it. P.S., that's probably what caused inflation right now. But we didn't lose. Like, financially, I'm talking about, yeah? Like, Mm -hmm. mental health and all of that stuff and seeing fee, I get that. But, like, financially, not many people lost. We had the biggest bull rally in a quickest amount of time that we've ever seen in history so that that mindset of society in australia hasn't helped either it really hasn't um and as you said like during covid you could have thrown your money at literally anything and it was making Mm. money like it was it made investing look very very easy and it's interesting seeing the inflows and outflows from investments lately because during 2020, 2021, record inflows, record amount of accounts being opened, young investors everywhere. Mm. But in 2022, 2023, we've seen record outflows and people are just stopping investing now. So it's very interesting how the mindset quickly changes when it, not everything's going up now. Um, so investing doesn't look quite as attractive. And as we know, investing is a long-term thing um, to get the mm. real results. It's not a quick, It's not a quick fix. And I think... I think, unfortunately, COVID didn't help with this. Um, it was just too easy just to make money. Or you could have thrown your money to any of the cryptocurrencies. Any coin was just going up crazy. Like, it was just, it was it was like a circus. Mm. It really was. Um, and now we're going we're back to reality. And we don't like it too much. Um, it's not, it's yeah, as, as John, you said, it's, she'll be right, but maybe she won't be right. Yeah, and, and that's why I say, like, Times like this where things are getting a little bit tough, if you can take a positive spin to this, yeah, mm. this is, is this is teaching everyone how to manage their cash flow, teaching mm. them how to be purposeful with their money. You know, what we talked about, you know, really putting your money in the areas where they're going to be the most valuable to you. Like literally the value of your dollar is becoming more precious and more precious and more precious and more precious where people didn't have that. It was just like this use it willy-nilly yeah throw it let's just throw it into some crypto that i've never even heard about and just hope for glory and whack ten thousand dollars like do you need that ten thousand like when we Mm. talk about investing money and we talk about when you need your money it's like people sometimes said and 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 i'm going to tell actually stop for a moment and just backtrack many 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 years ago when I first started in financial advice there was a story that was told to me about a couple 
that put all of their life savings into the stock market in 2000 and or maybe not when I started, this would have been like maybe before I started my business. So it was a while ago still. They put all of their money that they saved for their wedding into the stock market in 2007. Their wedding was in 2009. Now for people that don't understand, they put all of their money in a bull market in 2007. It was going up, gang bust. They thought, yep, sweet. We're going to have more money for a lavish wedding and we're going to have an awesome honeymoon. And then all of a sudden, they wake up to a global financial crisis, yeah, and it's crashing. And most people say, oh, well, I'll just pull it out. You know, mm -mm. when you're going in a crash, it's like, oh, yeah, the bottom, it'll go back up. It's bottoming. It's going to go back up. It's going to bottoming. It's going to both. And before you know, mm -hmm. you're 40% down. Yeah. Now, what was the problem? The problem was that they were actually using money that they needed certainty on, yeah? Mm -hmm. And putting it into investments that have a cycle where there's going to be downturns, negative periods, so on and so forth and risks. And so what you're also finding in today's society is too much of that had happened in COVID because of the constant winning that we've had in, had in there. The government coming in like the white knight, yeah? Riding on the horse with JobKeeper, money everywhere, just thousands of dollars for everyone. And now we find ourselves where we are today. So you need to be aware of what society is doing to you, yeah, from your decisions. And try to cut through all of the noise that's going on. And I know that we're talking here from a professional sense. I, can, I know I can appreciate that this is 20 years worth of my experience talking and I sometimes make it sound easier than it is and I appreciate it is hard, okay? It is not easy to do this. But to understand what your mind does to you, understand what your behaviors do for you and understand what's going on is the first step to getting you out of this and getting you where you need to get to, okay? The other thing... Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about as well too, um, and I need to be, I don't want to be careful with my words. I kind of want to say this straight in a way is, and I'm going to direct this at Mason because I know you've worked with me on a lot of clients in regards to this. Some people are a little bit, let's say it in a nicer term, complacent in regards to making their financial future come to fruition. You can't muck around if you want the financial future you want. And you've and I, till this day, I haven't seen a lazy, successful person. Don't you agree? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think it's harsh but fair. Um, well, not, not even really harsh, really. It's just fair. Um, I think you're right in terms of some people might come to us with some lofty goals and things which is fine i like lofty goals don't get me wrong lofty goals are what make life worth living but what are you willing to do to get there like john i'm sure there's been a few a few little late nights and a few sacrifices to build up the business to where it is today that just didn't a few. that just didn't come <laughs> that just didn't come to you like if if i'm oh, i'm trying to use an example like if i want to purchase an investment property somewhere but my income doesn't justify it. Do I, I can't just sulk and just hope 
that something's going to like you don't get gifted these things i'm trying to say it is more there's work involved like to get that investment problem i need to increase my income so how do you increase your income that might unfortunately you might be in a work situation where you really enjoy it work culture is great but you've reached the ceiling so you got you got and maybe that's okay like that's that's fine for some people but if you want your income to go to the next level, you may have to step out of that comfort zone and go somewhere else. Seek mm-hmm. that other opportunity. That, and that's just one example. Um, there's just so many things that people need to do, but some just aren't willing um, to do mm-hmm. so. Like, and, and, then, and then whinge, but sorry, and then whinge about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this is this is the, the thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, like successful people don't whinge. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, how bad, how bad do you want it? Like, if you don't want to do the extra work to get that property, well, then maybe it's not worth it. And maybe it's just better staying. If you want that level of comfort, you want to stay where you are. Like, that is totally fine. And no one's judging that decision. But it's like, if you want to achieve the big goal, like, it's not just going to come to you. So then it becomes a trade-off of like, is it worth it or not for me to work that hard to get this thing? And if it is, then you've got to, you've got to put in for it. Like, I think increasing the income ones are pretty good one to chat about because I feel like so much is about you know decreasing expenses with rising interest rates but there's only so much you can cut your expenses so I guess it'd probably be good to like expand a bit more on that in terms of how people can increase their income well one thing about this is and I want to kind of just touch on something before we get into the increase of income because it actually is connected but Mm. without getting into detail if anyone knows me and my brother me and my brother look very like alike, okay, to the point where let's say I used to get into nightclubs looking like my brother, if that makes sense, okay? But <laughs> but the reality is, is that me and my brother, from a mindset and values perspective, are totally different. Mm. I love going to Europe. I love going to overseas on holidays, not high up my brother's priority list. He wants to be more in Australia and be more on the farm and stuff like that, yeah? I love fast-paced, fast energy stuff, yeah? Him, not so much. Like, guess, obviously, there's some common areas and we do get along, but mm-hmm. we're two different in regards to our goals and aspirations. And I remember when we were both, when I, when we started, when I started my business, my brother started his business as well at the time, yeah? And for me, it came naturally. It was like you know, this, this is, this is it. I love it. It was just, you know, everything about me and what I wanted to do. And I understood that having a business creates this ability to have this uncapped potential on income. Yeah. And you got to fight for it. You've got to be willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. You've got to be willing to have those late nights and push a little bit harder than other one, other ones can do. And I remember when I was younger, I used to, and even I've got to stop myself now to, you know, spend time with my family, which is the most important. But I remember I'll be like, if everyone's stopping at 5.30, if I go to 7.30, I'm picking up an extra two hours on them. At, you know, two times five, I'm getting an extra 10 hours. I'm getting an extra day's worth of work output on my competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's that level of thinking that kind of keeps on pushing you to succeed more. And where this where this comes from is not just in, in business. Like if you look at my brother, for example, my brother ended up handing in the business. He goes, it wasn't for him. And in reality, it wasn't in his value set. 
He's done successful in regards to his ability in, in his career and where he wants to go. He gets a lot of time to spend with his family, which is also very important to him, and do the things that he loves, the outdoor stuff. That's him, yeah? But on the flip side, he's obviously had to realize that realization to himself that he's never going to earn the lofty, you know, seven-figure salaries and stuff. That's not him, but that's not what he's chasing, yeah? Do you know what I mean? Different ambitions, different things, okay? But um, going back to the elevation of income and why this is so important, elevation of income or the ability to is uncapped. Literally, it is, yeah? Mm -hmm. But there's also some problems that need to, people need to be aware of, okay? First and foremost, you can work as hard as you want. Okay, but there's 24 hours in a day. Okay, I've been praying as much as I can to get an eighth day of the week. <laughs> upstairs currently hasn't listened to me. Okay, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You've got to throw some sleep in there, and there's some other stuff that you've got to do. All that. But what I'm trying to get, there's only a certain amount of time that you've got. Okay, mm. so if you use that first and foremost, you need to make your time as valuable as possible. Yeah, to be able to to, to do that. That's number one. Then the game changer happens when you've got the ability to scale your own time. Okay? Mm. If you can scale your own time, that is where things go to a whole new level. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, if you're trading time for money, the only ability for you to earn more money Okay, is for your time per hour, time per minute, time per week, whatever you want to call it, increasing in value. Mm -hmm. But what I love about business, and it clicked on for me really early, and one of the abilities to accelerate my wealth at a whole new level was my ability to convert that time and scale it. Mm -hmm. Business allows you to do that. And what I'm talking about is, let's say, for example, you've got a product. That product takes you five hours to build but you've made a thousand units. All of a sudden you can sell those units. Yeah. For that five hours of time, but replicate it for a period of time. Or for example, in our business, yeah. Here's what 20 staff, for example, they're all, that's all replication of my time and delegation and building out a service business to kind of generate more income. And then the, game changer comes where you get to an, uh, an elite level in this stuff sorry i think i broke up for an example uh, for a second when you get to an elite level of this stuff yeah where you've got the ability to no longer even need to be in the sorry am i here yeah sorry, I'm here? oh sorry i was gonna say if you're at, and and when you get to the elite level is your ability to for you not to be there and still earn money mm. So, regards to the elevation of income, if you go down to business sense, and obviously I'll share a little bit of my story so that the people can relate in regards to that journey. Yes, it's not easy. This is very hard. There's a lot of things that I've done that a lot of people wouldn't do. I remember my dad whispering in my ear and saying to me, John, if you want to be better than everyone else, just do shit that they're not willing to do. Yeah, number one. Yeah. But then on an individual sense, there's other things that you can easily do to, not easily, but there's things that you can do that's more simple to generate more income. And Mason, things like side hustles, yeah? They're very good. 
Yeah. Small, like little businesses. You can turn a hobby into a, into a small little business. Um, Nick, there's, there's, you know, if you're not, if you're, if you're clocking off at three o'clock every day, yeah. Could you be something from three to six? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I actually listened to a really interesting podcast the other day. This one actually blew my mind. Sorry, I'd been following this girl on social media for maybe a couple of years. Essentially, she makes like recipe videos of like fun, healthy kind of recipes. I thought, oh, this is just a bit of fun on the side. She does on the side of her corporate job. She's an accountant. That's all I kind of knew about it. It was like some of her recipes are great. Anyway, listen to a podcast where she was interviewed. She's worked for 10 years in corporate accounting. She's a tax accountant. They build their time at six-minute increments. She built the platform up, doing the recipes, which just like over the weekend and stuff and like filming, editing them. She reckons that she was earning more from doing that than her job as a corporate tax accountant that she'd been doing for 10 years, fully qualified CA. And I was like, that's crazy when you consider like, however many hours she was doing on the weekend versus 40 hours a week where, yeah, you obviously get to a point where unless you want to become a director in that business, your income might not really go up much more. And yeah, that was just crazy to me. It was like, okay, if people want to make money, there is ways to make money out there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a side hustle. It it might be business or whatever, but it's just a change in mindset around not just trading time for money and having a different mindset around that. And, not, think, being com- and not being complacent. Nick. Mm-hmm. More income is not going to come to the person that's sitting behind on a t- TV watching Netflix every day. Correct. You know what I mean? You can play lottery all you want, but I'll show you the numbers aren't great. Mm. And that's and that's the gist of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So everyone, that's been a great chat, and hopefully everyone that's listening and watching has really enjoyed it. And Mason and, and Nick, I've really enjoyed it getting into the mindset behaviors and kind of what people can do. It's a passion of mine in regards to behaviors and mindset because I know that it has so much of an influence and if that being finance in daily life, regardless of what you're trying to pursue, um, being able to understand your mindset and understand your behaviours and using them um, is important. But I think the other one as well too is understanding what's happening around you and what's influencing your decisions or what's influencing your, your way of thinking. So hopefully we've been able to unpack that give you a few nuggets along the way. But once again, Mason, Nicola, thanks for jumping on again. And thanks everyone for listening. No worries. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.